Hello, I'm Chris Hudson and welcome to FIS's Freight and Commodity Podcast on Wednesday the 2nd of March. After a week in which the unthinkable happened, with Russia launching a military offensive into Ukraine and the heroic defence of their country by Ukrainians, Europe is witnessing war on its doorstep and understanding in stark terms what many other parts of the world have been experiencing for years. NATO and Western allies have initiated a campaign of sanctions against Russia, leading many companies to pull the plug on Russian business or any investments involving Russia. While the horrendous situation continues in Ukraine, and we hope for a peaceful resolution, events are also having significant impact on commodity markets, as Russia is a key supplier of raw materials. So what movements have we seen in our commodity markets week on week? Well, on the freight side, we've seen a drop-off in the Cape size. That ended 14,000. This is Tuesday, the 22nd versus Tuesday, the 1st of March. It was 16,709. On the Panamax and Supermaxes, not so much of a movement there if you're looking week on week, but I'm sure that actually later on the podcast, we're going to have a lot more about what's actually been happening behind the scenes within those days between those indexes. Panamaxes, 4TC ending 22,074, and the Supermax 10CC. 26,876, having been 25,950 a week ago. On the iron or 62%, we've seen a nice move up. It was 132.75 last week, now 144.45. An increase in the price there after we've seen the main Olympics with the Paralympics to come this week. On Brent crude, one of the big movers on the news uh, of the invasion of Ukraine, which has moved up significantly off the back of that. It was 96.49 if you're looking at the FIS end of day report on Tuesday, the 22nd of Feb. Now that's up to 105.81 and has been higher in the week. So we'll hear a lot more about that later on in the podcast too. It has had an impact on all the products. If you're looking at Sing.5, the fuel oil there was 709.20. Now 768.35 closing last night on the FIS report. On the tankers, we've seen some movement. TD3C was 32.23, now 58.82 last night. Significant move up there. Less so on the TC2, that's dropped 144.17. And big move up there as well on the TC5 was 96.43, now 131.43. And then moving the opposite direction, uh, EUAs, that's European Compulsory Carbon Emissions Market, was 89.77 and has dropped off a cliff, 68 85 now and if you want to find out a bit more about what's been happening in those carbon emissions market we'll be releasing a specific uh, explainer document all the things that have been happening there later on today to begin this week's podcast we are supposed to have tom fegan from our singapore office but due to technical issues it means that we're not going to be joined by him and apologies to him for that but instead, we have Kerry giving us an update on what's been happening in the iron ore market. Uh, the main Winter Olympics are over, with the Paralympics starting soon, after which a significant ramp up in activity is expected. But what other factors have been affected prices, Kerry? What have we been seeing? Well, indeed. I mean, if you look at the prices, iron ore jumped 10% week on week on the spot index. And after a wobbly start in the immediate wake of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, while it took people a while, uh, a short while to try and gauge what effect this would have, I think, on the iron ore market. Uh, you've got to bear in mind both Russia and Ukraine are producers of both iron ore and finished steel. In the end, the market decided that the likely cutoff of finished steel exports from Ukraine and Russia would drive up demand uh, and indeed drive up finished steel prices globally, given that Russia and Ukraine together make up 5% of global production. Uh, this would increase the margin for Chinese mills, among others. And as you said, Chris, this news comes against the backdrop of strengthening signals from the manufacturing and construction sectors in China. 
sentiment in China has been boosted by an expectation of monetary easing and a front-loading of infrastructure investment recently. Domestic steel demand also surging after that slowdown we saw during the Lunar New Year holidays and the Winter Olympics, with spot purchases jumping in the past week uh, for finished steels domestically. In the short term, at least, this is quite encouraging for the iron ore price. Indeed, front-month iron ore futures on SGX climbed from a low of 136 last Friday after they just had that wobble as the Russians invaded um, up to 150 this morning. One note of caution, of course, is that much like on other commodities, we cannot yet know what the medium-term effects of all the new global sanctions on Russia will be. Certainly, they don't bode especially well for Western growth and demand in coming months. Um, but that's, uh, that's anyone's guess at this point. And Kerry, let's stay with you to talk freight, dry freight, of course. Uh, with the Black Sea witnessing missile strikes on commercial vessels, we have seen some dramatic moves in freight, especially in the futures market. So <laughs> what's been going on in dry freight and uh, behind the scenes? Oh, yes. Well, the awful events unfolding in Ukraine have moved the freight markets quite substantially, just as they have for virtually every other market we cover. Cape Physical, which had been gaining momentum early in the week last week with the Pacific market seeing robust demand and that key C5 iron ore route West Aussie to China, moving from the sort of $939.40 range per ton uh, for mid-March lacans at the beginning of the week up to $1030, $1040 a ton by Thursday before slipping below $10 on Friday as charters backed off as owners got nervous. The Atlantic Basin for the Capes was seeing much less fresh inquiry in general, and of course with nothing coming out of the Black Sea after Wednesday that was subject to a lot more downward pressure. Uh, overall, the physical spot index fell 16% week-on-week week for the big ships. On Panamax physical, although the fundamentals look healthy, freight rates came off in the Atlantic at the end of last week. Again, that was just general market nervousness uh, marking the start of the war. This saw both front haul and TA routes on the Panamax drop about 500 bucks on the daily rates at the end of last week. The Pacific, however, has been a bastion of strength on the physical Panamax trades. Very, very healthy demand out of both Australia and Indonesia for tonnage. According to IHS Market Commodities at Sea Service, last week Indonesian coal shipments increased another 18% week on week to uh, a seasonal high of 9.2 million tons. Australian coal shipments also rebounded quite strongly up to 8 million tons. That's up 28% week on week. However, I would say the vast majority of the moves uh, in this market last week occurred on the paper, as you might expect with geopolitical events unfolding so, so fast. The dry FFAs reacted very strongly negatively to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, particularly on Cape size, with rates on the April Cape 5TC plummeting 17% in the first two days after the invasion. That was from 26,250 to 21,750 on those April contracts. This was a little surprising, given that any event closing the Black Sea might be assumed to be more of a Panamax event, given those, those huge grain trades coming out of the Black Sea. Both the Cape and the Panamax paper regained most of that lost ground in a very sharp jump yesterday, rising by over $4,000 and $2,000 on the day, respectively, on the front month. The reasons behind this were not entirely clear, I should say, to, to most people in the market, I think, except a general feeling that the market collapse had been overdone and that tonnage demand remained healthy on the larger sizes across both minerals and grains away from the Black Sea region. 
Huge, huge uncertainty remains, however, as various unfolding sanctions and tit-for-tat maritime restrictions are still in progress. It's important to stress just how little we can guess around the effects of this war yet on the freight market. With the supply of Black Sea wheat cut off, for example, what region will make up those grain export shortfalls? Uh, If it's South America, that could maintain or even increase slightly ton mileage, for example. Likewise, these tit-for-tat maritime restrictions, we have no ability to call what short and medium-term effects this may have, so watch the space. I would expect it to remain very volatile. As a petroeconomy, all eyes have been on Russia and proposed sanctions, and whether the West would go as far as to impose them on Russian oil and product exports. So far, that does not seem to be something on the table, but that doesn't stop a significant reaction on crude to the news of the commencement of the conflict. So we're going to find out a little bit more, and let's talk to Ricky Foreman from our fuel oil desk here at FIS to find out what's been happening behind the scenes. Well, um, it's been uh, brutal and it's been carnage. Um, it's something, obviously, we were hoping wasn't going to happen with the Russian um, invasion on the Ukraine, but it has been something we've been tracking for a, a couple of months now. Uh, the statistical analysis was always uh, pointing to $100 a barrel, um, then at 105 and then potentially 110 and as we speak this morning, we're currently trading at around the 111, 112 um, on the Brent. Um, we've seen everything push up across uh, across the board, uh, all products. Um, high five spreads are as high as they were um, in February 2020 when the IMO um, launched the um, sulfur cap. Um, we're, there's just a general tightness um, of the 0.5s uh, fuels available in the market. Um, the cracks are also roofing, um, and as a result, um, more blending components are being channeled into refinery feeds uh, rather than cr- the creation of the 0.5 uh, blends. So that's the real emphasis on why these cracks are um, getting stronger on the 0.5 and in turn pushing the prices of the fuel 0.5s up as well. Finally this week, it's been all go in the battery metal space with significant volumes and continued tightness of supply. I talked to Joyce Zhang about the detail behind these critical markets. Well, um, last week definitely has been super interesting for the uh, whole battery metals in the picture. Uh, We are mainly looking at uh, nickel, cobalt and lithium. Starting with nickel, um, Russia actually produces 11% of global nickel supply and its exports uh, make up 49% of total nickel exports worldwide. And Russia's North Nickel is the largest single nickel producer globally. And and it has been the major um, source of exports um, of Chinese uh, imported nickel plates. Um, well, according to um, Chinese customs statistics, China imported 51.8 thousand metric tons of nickel from Russia, um, which is about 40% of Chinese total imports. Um, and in 2018 and 2019, uh, the annual uh, imports from Russia uh, were actually even higher at over 80,000 metric tons. Uh, 2021 global nickel supply shortage is estimated around 140,000 metric tons. And we have been noticing that the LME nickel uh, inventory levels have been decreasing uh, constantly um, due to the uh, deficit 
and a projected demand recovery from uh, both the stainless steel sector as well as the battery sector. Um, so uh, that's all leading to a uh, surge in prices in the LME nickel prices. So LME three-month nickel prices are trading at about 25,570 US dollars per ton. Um, and it's close to its last highs seen on February 24th at 25,705 um, dollars per metric ton, uh, which refreshed its uh, um, 10 year high uh, previously seen in 2011 to 2012. Um, that's something uh, the market is watching. Um, a lot of people suspect that uh, uh, more Russian metal could be uh, flowing into China. Um, however, in the physical market, uh, we haven't seen lots of interests from China on the nickel plates. We have many been receiving uh, interest on the nickel briquettes, which a lot of battery producers, battery makers, they have been um, using nickel briquettes as one of their key feedstock to produce the NCM um, batteries, which uh, uh, which is the uh, ternary materials um, consisting of nickel, manganese, and cobalt. Um, so um, as for cobalt, uh, Norsk Nickel actually also produces about four to five of global cobalt supply. Um, its uh, uh, annual production of cobalt metals is around 2,000 tons, and another 3,000 tons of the cobalt chemicals, cobalt sulfate, and the uh, feedstocks. Um, a lot of discussions have been happening in the cobalt space as um, market participants um, expected um, a sh short-term um, continuous um, edge up on the uh, index and the benchmark price, uh, the fast market's uh, uh, standard grade cobalt metal prices. Um, we have seen in the uh, Western markets that some of the traders are clearing the Russian metals due to uh, geopolitical uh, issues. And uh, um, that could be interesting is um, um, the, the metals could flow again into China. Uh, it could flow again into um, other regions in the world. Um, but so far, we haven't heard of significant tonnages of Russian cobalt metals at uh, Chinese bounded warehouses, uh, according from our trader sources. And uh, uh, But that's not um, totally impossible. Well, as long as the price is at a discount to the other major brands, uh, which are the uh, typical uh, so-called uh, Western uh, uh, brands, um, as long as it's uh, cheap. Um, well, a lot of traders, uh, especially uh, in China, they definitely don't mind to take some of the cheaper metals. So fast markets benchmark um, standard grade cobalt prices have been steadily climbing. Um, it went up 4% in February and it's also up 5% in the first two months in 2022. 
Uh, whereas in 2021, cobalt prices actually increased to over 117%. Meanwhile, on the paper market, um, CME's cobalt uh, futures contracts have been traded actively in February. 889 lots um, traded in the month um, and uh, about 1,000 198 lots traded in 2022 to date so far versus in 2021 um, the whole year uh, total volumes traded uh, were at 3,397 lots um, which we have seen over a third of last year's volume being traded in the first two months prior day open interest before the February settlement um, stood at 1,812 lots, which is close to the highest historical open interest at 1.825 thousand uh, last seen in October 2021. Uh, meanwhile, looking at the fundamentals, um, cobalt metal inventories have been continuously de-stocking um, in both Rotterdam as well as Shanghai. Um, Demand for um, cobalt um, chemicals, especially sulfate and chloride, have been constantly on the rise on the back of the um, EV and battery growth um, globally. So uh, everything's looking pretty bright on the cobalt side uh, in the short term. But the biggest concerns on the battery raw materials prices still come from surging lithium prices. Fast markets battery grade lithium hydroxide prices went up 44% in February um, and it's also up 73% um, year to date. Uh, its battery grade lithium carbonate prices also went up 47% in Fab and 68% year to date. That's it for this week in the freight and quantity markets. If you want to stay up to date with everything going on, then do sign up to our app, FIS Live, or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Join us again next week for more analysis and insight and have a great end to your week.